<laughs> hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. Here we are again to uh, lead the way into connecting some major dots between our, our Christian worldview and the superiority of that worldview and how we uh, connect that to our everyday lives. So we're glad that you're tuning in and uh, watching us. If you're uh, watching this podcast, of course, this is coming right on the heels of uh, a great Sunday worship and a great Memorial Day weekend, but I wanted to pause. It was, hey, first of all, thanks for carrying the water on Sunday. Hey, Give me a, a little break. Hey, you're welcome. And uh, you did such a such an amazing job. We're in, in a series, if uh, uh, you're not at Living Stones, we're in a series right now called Special Delivery, and basically the concept there is that heaven is full of uh, the goodness of God, the power of God, the resources of God, Earth is full of people who are so incredibly needy and broken, and uh, what God's looking for is a few good men and women uh, to serve as a special delivery agents, uh, to literally be the conduit between heaven and earth and to bring the miraculous power and uh, answers of God to uh, to bear on, on human, human need and human situations, and what a privilege that is. So what I loved about Sunday... Well, I always love it when you when you preach because you're you're just vulnerable and you say the things that uh, probably many people are thinking, mm -hmm. and uh, I just appreciated your transparency because you know you kind of kick things off with this whole <laughs> idea that wait a minute, you're call God's calling us to partner with Him. That's slightly intimidating. Oh yeah, and uh, and so you hit touch on that a little bit. I thought that was just really really good the way you yeah. kind of identified with your own fear and weakness. Well, I think this message is one of those message that one of the really intimidating message for me to even preach for me to even dive into it you know most of the times when i deliver a message i really study it i want to live it out and this is one thing that's a continual <laughs> process for us right we're uh, we're both growing we're in growing this. this area yeah. you know to, yeah. to to partner with god to deliver his miracles um to walk in the supernatural yeah. you know that's something we don't have control of something that we really have to surrender but but the, the part i got to deliver is really a um the way I see it, the way I interpret it, is really a heart change, uh, a mindset change we must have before we really enter in this. You know, uh, I wrote this in my notes. I didn't share it yesterday because I ran out of time. But you know, a lot of times when people talk about like losing weight and they want to, they want to get in shape, yeah. uh, they always like to talk about the external things, like oh, I got this really cool workout, I got this really cool diet, blah blah blah. And what I found is most of those things don't have lasting effect. They might, you might lose like five pounds really quickly, but you gain it all back later. And what people don't want to do is they don't, they don't want to do the internal work of changing what's inside first, like your body image. Like, do you sometimes the outside's a lot easier to deal with yep. uh, than the lasting change that really has to come from doing the hard work? Yeah, it's painful. It's hurt. It's hurtful. You have to be vulnerable. You have to deal with the junk, like my body image or lack of impulse control yep. or why why is it that I, I I can't stop eating or or I'm trying to fulfill something inside that God wants to fulfill, yep. but we use food instead. So you took that same principle and you carried it over to, to this whole special delivery uh, idea and uh, you said that there's basically four yeah. mindsets or paradigms that have to shift on the inside before we can really see any kind of change in that. And we have to do the yeah, hard so. work internally before we can truly have lasting effect externally yes yeah. that's, that's the idea and your first point as you, you and i both talked about it's kind of a simple point but if we could just shift in our minds to begin to realize god wants to use me today yeah like god is waiting to to work through us on a daily basis to bring blessings and to create divine appointments for us so talk about the first principle yeah the principle is basically be available to god 
But we, we a lot of times think, you know, like, okay, I'm, call, I'm, I'm, I'm going to answer your call, but we feel like it's like a one-time thing. Right. But really, it's more of a moment-by-moment moment thing because, like anyone else, we just get distracted. Yeah. We get distracted with our own agenda, with distracted with life, versus just saying to God, moment-by-moment, moment, saying, Lord, use me for this situation. Yeah. Use me today. So this, this was like a, a profound but simple thing, and we want to encourage you to join us as we do this. It's really a habit. If Wake up, you open your eyes. Uh, maybe you spend your time with uh, the Lord uh, in your quiet time, or maybe it's just right upon awakening. But simply say, Lord, here I am today. Use me to deliver your goods, your blessing, your breakthrough, your power, your love to somebody uh, or somebody's multiple people throughout this day. So it's really just getting in the framework that my life is not my own, my time is not my own, my money's not my own. I, be I belong to the Lord, and, and I'm committed to His purposes. Yeah, and I think for Christians, it's easy for us to go to church, for us to give, for us to do some of those things that's out of our own command, uh, control, out of our own agenda. Yeah. But but this is like saying, basically, you don't have your own agenda anymore. And I think yeah. that's very, very intimidating for many yeah. people, myself included. So it's really the whole consecration piece that our lives are not our own. Not we, our own lives. We belong yeah. to the Lord. Yeah. And then the second thing you shared, which I thought was so good, you talked about kind of an epiphany that you had while you were writing the sermon. Mm -hmm. Share that a little bit because, it, you know, we move from the, the theoretical and the abstract and the theological to the, the intensely personal. Yeah, well, the second point is, is challenging because you say, well, at the end of the day, God cares about people. People, like, we hear this type of verbiage all the time in the Christian world, love people, care about people. But the way I try to frame is 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 let's talk about this in a unique way. Like, what what's the reason why we don't care about people or we forget quickly that God cares about people? It's when we're around difficult people that hurt us. Yeah. When we are not being, feel like we're cared for, you know, and just talking about when we're hurt, how that messes with us. And when we don't acknowledge it, we don't deal with it. It just kind of cloud, it, it yeah. makes our heart callous to caring about people and how we got to deal with that. Like you, know? you said, you know, when, when you get wounded and wounded and wounded and you just keep glossing over it, or as men, we act like, hey, you know, we got this covered. I, we're tough. We can, we can handle it. Yeah. But if you don't deal with the wounds, they become infected. Yeah. And that infect, infection really causes us to, not even care about the fact that other people have needs because we're kind of numb to it because we're really trying to survive with our own hurts and pain. Yeah, and what I've seen over and over again is men and women who have who don't really practice self-care of healing and restoration of the hurts and wounds with other people. And they, they pretend everything's okay, but there's a yeah. disconnect. Yeah. And that disconnect just grows and grows and grows and yeah. grows. So even bringing home air to living so that's why we constantly encourage you, take the time to deal with your heart. The encounter weekends are so powerful. Our Renovating You class is so powerful. Uh, we've got life groups. We've got discipleship groups. We've got you know just a host of other ministries. Celebrate Recovery. Um, all of these things encourage us to deal with the inside so that if we get the inside right, then then God can flow through us in great ways. Yeah, I, I, it's just I think a common, easy stepping stone to dealing the hurts in your heart is just finding a trusted friend who doesn't get offended about secondary offense, doesn't get offended by other people. They're a safe place for you to yeah. go and just say, you know that's what, good. I was hurt by so and so. I want to process that a little bit. Yeah. You know, and that's a simple start. That will lead to a huge amount of healing just to be able. And and, and we want to provide that to church, and that's why we have life group leaders and leaders to kind of talk. about so. I like this. So, so the first principle really dealt with a uh, kind of a uh, consecration. I exist for God. Lord, here, here I am. Said me. The second principle really kind of dealt with the heart. And the other thing you said just before we get too too far into this, but you said um, not just 
not only God loves people, but I'm a people. <laughs> Therefore, God loves me. Yeah. And, and, you know, ministering out of a uh, security of your identity, you know, that you are loved by God, that you're a son, you're a daughter of the Most High God, um, and he loves you, enables us then to, you know, kind of minister out of the overflow. Yeah. I think that's so important. The third principle is now it starts to get a little scary because yeah. you pointed out the fact that Partnership with God begins at the end of our own resources. Yeah. Oh, man, this is a good point. That's and that's where we get scared because uh, it's, it's kind of that control thing. Yeah, and as you partner with God, you start to realize more and more God's taking your territory in which you just don't have any power, you don't have resource, you don't have any idea how to even go at it. You know? but, but you said, you know, and this is a good connection. You know, in our culture today, we got all these people that are adrenaline junkies. They, yeah. they climb mountains, they do crazy, jump out of airplanes, and uh, and all those things have, have their place, you know, we're not condemning all that. But many times it's like a false adrenaline when really the, the fullness of a life lived in partnership with God is, is meant to be lived on the edge of our own resources and then having to lean in to God's supernatural ability. Right. And that is the ultimate adrenaline rush yeah. when you see God working through you to bring salvation to somebody, healing to somebody, to bring financial breakthrough. You know, uh, that's that's really what we're after. And, and, but it's scary. Oh, I yeah, I mean, I, there is something attractive of, for a person, for a man and woman who goes on a venture, who's not, not everything's planned out, like the Indiana Jones. Like, what's so attractive about Indiana Jones? Because he says, I'll figure it out. Yeah. There's something attractive about that yeah. notion. Especially for men, you know, we're experiencing such a, a crisis of manhood in the church today. And I think it's because we've, we have a domesticated, tame faith when really the Lord's saying, come on, guys, join me. And the answer is, all right, I'll figure it out as we go. Okay, sure. A quick story yeah. I just read yesterday. Um, uh, Jack Deere, his new edition of Here, um, Surprised by the Voice of God. And he shared about a quick story from Heidi Baker. I believe this story was shared from her personally, so it's not in her books. Yeah. She was she was going to one, a place in Mozambique to share the gospel, and there were a bunch of Muslims there. And she brought like a group of Americans who are, you know, want to come see her ministry and whatnot. And and uh, so they went to a town, and people started throwing stones at her. The community come, right. Muslim community came out just because she's sharing the gospel with her adopted daughter. And all Americans ran to the Range Rover, hid in the car, hiding her daughter instead, jumped on the hood of the car while people are throwing stones at her and saying, bring me your death. Bring me your yeah. death. <laughs> I just can't even imagine. I mean, this whole thing is so crazy to me. So I guess someone who was deaf came and she prayed for her right then and there. And the deaf was able to hear. And this is the beauty. So, so when, when that deaf <laughs> boy or girl yeah. receives a miracle, in other words, Heidi was a special delivery agent, right? That changes the whole environment, though. All of a sudden, and everything changed. Stop yeah. being thrown, and then what happens? People start bringing the sick yeah. and the demonized and everything. And else. then she was talking to Jack. She's like, "I'm about to go back to the mayor's about to, to dedicate the first church in that community." I mean, talk about like this is Indiana Jones got nothing to what Heidi Baker is facing, yeah. you know, in terms of like risk. And that's yeah. what the fourth that was point. the fourth point. Taking yep. risk. You said you made the principle was we spend most of our life trying to minimize risk, and that's yeah. not always bad. Right. But when it comes to partnering with God, the minimization of risk is not is never good yeah. because God's always on the other edge of something that he requires us to step out in faith on. Yeah. And faith is an essential ingredient in kingdom living. And if you're always trying to minimize risk so you never have to move in faith, 
you're going to live a pretty sterile, boring life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where a lot of Christians are, and ourselves included. God's constantly wanting to grow us, and you know we haven't arrived. We're wanting to continue to be stretched and continually be pushed out of our comfort zone. Yeah, and I've seen different people with different personalities. There's some people with personality who are more pliable, more open to taking a risk. I have the personality of not. I have the personality of minimizing risk. So I have to be really pushed to look at the situation. And God's taking me to a situation which I love. It. It's a situation in which I have I have to take risks because there's no safe path. If I want to move forward with God, we have we have to take risk one way or another. And then God puts me in those situations over and over again. And I, I yeah. love it because I have to depend on him. Yeah. So I would encourage you all, if uh, uh, you haven't heard the message from Sunday, I know it was Memorial Weekend and a lot of people were traveling or whatever, but um, go to lstones.org and, and go to our media page and make sure you take a listen to it because it was just a, a tremendous message. And speaking of taking risk, <laughs> I saw you taking some serious risks on Memorial Day in my backyard. Of course, my backyard busts up to the church's uh, 19 acres, but you and a bunch of other crazies were out there praying, playing uh, uh Frisbee. Ultimate Frisbee. Ultimate Frisbee, yes. Yeah, we're... And now you're aching and groaning and moaning. He could hardly make it up the stairs to get in the studio today. I kind of, I was going to prophesy that this was going to happen. <laughs> I was hoping you'd give me a nudge, <laughs> pull me upstairs. No, it was a great time. I got to play Cal Frisbee. You know, like, as I'm getting older, I realize how important it is to cultivate the passions of my heart. Because a lot of times we get so busy with things and, th and legitimate things we got to do, a lot of times we might ignore our passions. And, I, I, and when I was younger, I feel like, you know, everything's more utilitarian. But as I get older, I realize cultivating the passions so of my good. heart is so important because I, people, I, a passion to Andrew becomes a better father. A passion to me becomes a better pastor, a better husband. That's good. And I was just talking to my wife the other day. It's like, I want to help cultivate the passions of my kids, but I can't cultivate their passion with, unless I have some I cultivated my passion. Again, that doesn't mean I'm out there buying a car I cannot afford and right. going to do whatever. It, no, there, you being out there with the guys, and that was something that you did a lot in college. I, I was watching your skills, college. man. Andrew can do that throw like that and just nail people, and I'm like, wow. Yeah, I can throw a frisbee. I just can't run <laughs> or jump or crawl, really. Well, but, and, and I was cultivating the passions of my heart over yeah. the weekend because on uh, – I think it was on Friday or Saturday, I was out shoveling a bunch of dirt and plant, different planting some yeah. trees. Oh, man, it was so good. Yeah. And then I was uh, I got to spend Memorial Day. I had this thought when I woke up, do I stain the deck today <laughs> or do I? Because I know as soon as I grab that paintbrush, it's going to be an all-day event yeah. while I did. So I'm feeling different pains today, uh, not the same pain you're feeling, but... Uh, you know, my wife lets me paint outside the house, not inside the house, but <laughs> outside the house, lines. I get yeah. to paint. So, uh, oh, that's so good. But anyway, so we had fun. But yeah. I'm glad that we'll, we'll pray for healing for you at the end of this, and I'll be the special delivery agent to, to pray for you. You know, we you sent me a text over uh, the weekend um, that I thought was, uh, again, just a major victory for religious liberty. Talk a little bit about what the, the ruling in California. Yeah, one of the federal courts. I don't think it was the Supreme Court order um, Governor Newsom um, who uh, to pay the attorney fees for Harvest Rock Church, which is uh, Pastor Shane's church. $1.3 million. Yeah, for attorney fees and court costs and all that stuff in the yeah. litigation because of their attempt to try to close down 
uh, Harvest Rock Church. Yeah, and, that, and uh, one of the uh, uh, attorneys in that case made the comment that Governor Newsom was the worst governor in terms of trampling religious liberties. And of course, part of the hypocrisy of all this is while he has these stringent, uh, draconian measures placed on the church, he's seen off with some you know, leaders in a swanky yeah. restaurant having restaurant. having dinner together with no social distancing and no mask wearing. And right. so this was a major slap in the hand uh, uh, for Newsom, but also for any governor that wants to try to, uh, again, put restrictions on churches that unfairly limit the, the church's ability to minister, while other other businesses and so forth uh, have, don't have the restrictions. So, yeah. And this is binding. I mean, this is like... When when the Supreme Court of California or whatever rules on this, this I thing, think it was a federal court. Okay, so this yeah, is, this is yeah. this is binding on anybody uh, yeah. that wants to try to do that in the future. So this is a huge yeah, victory, set a huge precedent. You know, and just think about a year ago, we're in the middle of COVID, and California is you know is urging like shutting down churches so you can't meet. And, to, and and a year later, we're now celebrating because the, the the courts are saying no, you don't do that. So I mean, yeah, big change and, from a year ago. And hats off to to we know Pastor Cheon, we know some of the other great pastors in California yeah. who who just simply yeah. stood their ground. Talk about um, taking a risk. Yeah, yeah, but this is what's needed. And, yeah, um, absolutely. So anyway, uh, that was we always like to share good news with you in the midst of some of the challenges that we're facing. Yeah, amen. Yep. amen. And this past week, you had, um, even before we got to Memorial Day, you had a great opportunity to go down to Indianapolis. Every yeah. time you go down to Indy, I'm like, there's something good happening down there. <laughs> well, I got to be a part, uh, once again, of the Hoosier Leadership Series, which is a great series that I would encourage anybody that's listening uh, to consider being a part of. Basically, they take one day out of every month. These are these are uh, young professionals or just simply freedom-loving people from all across Indiana. Yeah. They, uh, it's, a, it's run by the Indiana Family Institute, this program. Uh, you get together each uh, once a month for the day, and they have a, a theme. So uh, the theme when I went down there was uh, Foundations of Leadership in the Public Square. Mm. I was able to be a part of a panel discussion on the whole topic of religious liberty. And then I had the topic, uh, which is one of my favorites, what is the church's role in public policy? <laughs> and uh, I always have a lot of fun with this because, it, as you know, we're— we're living in a time where many secularists say the church's role in public policy, there is none. Mind your own business. Stay in the four walls of your right. church. Right. And yet historically, um, you know, the church has played a massive role in shaping public policy. And in fact, it, it kind of leads us to, I wanted to, to connect on our, our theme today. How, how are we doing time-wise? Good, we? about 18 minutes. Okay. So, good. so I, I wanted to spend the rest of our time today kind of connecting the dots, you know, as I was praying uh, about this podcast I was thinking about Memorial Weekend, and of course, as I shared Sunday, there's something so powerful about uh, the Memorial Weekend holiday and Memorial Day, which we celebrated yesterday, because um, we're not honoring the living, but we're honoring the dead. We're, yeah. we're saying thank you to the men and women uh, who have uh, given their lives and shed their blood so that we could have the freedoms that we have. And what made it special for me, I was talking with my son, and of course he married a, a wonderful, wonderful gal named Carly, and she was talking to her dad who was sharing some family history. Mm. But uh, it was a, it was uh, her father's uh, father who uh, lied about his age so that he could enter uh, the battle. Uh, and actually, this was uh, Normandy, 
uh, was part of the 82nd Airborne Division that was dropped in behind enemy lines. Uh, and uh, and when I say lie about his age, I mean, these are these are young men, uh, and it was not just him, but a, a whole generation uh, of men who wanted to fight for America and wanted to fight uh, for what America stands for. Yeah. Uh, so much that, I mean, we're talking about 16, 17-year-olds that lied just so they could get drafted. And you just put, kind of put the brakes on and you think about our culture today and you think about uh, America and uh, who we are and like our shared values and things like that. And you're like, okay, wait a minute. Who is willing to lie about their age to go have the privilege of laying their life down perhaps yeah. for America? I mean, in other words, on Memorial Weekend, it causes us to think about what is it that we're willing to die for? And I so admire, um, again, that, that kind of sacrifice. And I know that there are many in our culture today who would be willing to do a similar thing. But, right. But it's profound. I mean, it's worthy of putting the brakes on it. Yeah, for us to think what share value, what concept, what ideals is so worthy because it's so impactful for our culture, for our people that we're willing to lay our lives down. Yeah. You know, as opposed to being in a culture in which we're risking, we're, we're minimizing every risk right. and basically saying nothing's worth being getting sick or getting hurt over you know that's really the culture we live in america today oh yeah back in those days those guys those the culture was so different yeah. so what what has changed you yeah. know well and 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 that's the point i was able to bring out was that um the the role of transcendent truth in public policy and in uh and in liberty yeah. and the whole like when I, we talk about transcendent truth of course we're talking about what is it what is the what are those values that transcend culture and that become a unifying force? You know, transcends opinions, right? Beyond just opinions, and um, you know, and and I would say again in American history, it's been the whole notion that we are one nation under God. Yeah. The, we cannot be one nation if we're not under something or someone, and so we get back to the whole question of of whose authority. You know, who gets to make the rules and. And what is the source of authority that could cause all of us to to have a shared sense of yeah? Because if you identity. ask people on the street right now, you say what America is about, and, the, and you're you're essentially asking what's the transcendent value in America today without saying that word. What's America about? People say stuff like we're about liberty, we're about freedom, equality, but equality. Yeah. But but when you take God out of that equation, liberty has no meaning. Yeah, because your liberty means you're trampling my liberty. Your yeah. your liberty. And your freedom is an opposition of my freedom. So those words have no meanings. It's all opinion-based. But when we're talking about transcendent value established under God, it's no longer about opinions. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's an established value that, that applies to everybody. Absolutely. That's why it's so important here. And, and we, you, know, you have to ask the question, well, where does government get its authority? Yeah. Because authority comes from somewhere. And, uh, and again, this is where the role of the church comes in. Because we remind the state that the state gets its authority from God. You know, the whole we've talked about this before, but the whole notion of separation of church and state is an institutional separation. It means that the state has a different role than the church, and the church has a different role than the state, and the family, the third institution, has a different role than the other two. But all three of those institutions are have authority. The question is, where does their authority come from? And of course, from a Judeo-Christian perspective, that authority comes from God Almighty. Yeah. So the state does not operate outside uh, or, or out from under the authority of God. Mm. 
Neither does the family, neither does the church. God is still the transcendent authority and the source of authority for all three of those institutions. Now, what's happening in America today is we have our progressives and, and secularists are saying, no, 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 we have to remove God and God's authority from the public square. What they're after is what's been called a naked public square. In other words, the myth mm. is a, a public square that is neutral. It has been removed from any uh, transcendent authority. The problem, as we found out, is that, number one, it, it is a myth. Somebody's authority is going to fill, uh, provide the basis of authority for that system. Yeah. And number two, the, the, the naked public square does not stay naked very long because it creates a vacuum. It is, it is a vacuum of authority that will absolutely be filled by someone, either a dictator or a tyrant, or something, namely the state, mm -hmm. but you can't you can't have a neutral, uh, naked public square because somebody's authority is going to step in there and begin to to make laws and 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 lead and you know fill the vacuum, and that's where we get into tyranny, and that's why you know part of the role of the church is to constantly remind the state that we are still one nation under God, and that if we lose the under God, we are no longer one nation. We, yeah. become a, we become a bunch of competing tribes, and that's really what we're seeing happen in America today. Yeah. Uh, kind of this whole idea the Bible talks about uh, in Judges 17, verse 6, where everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. And so in America today, we have this radicalized uh, individualism where basically, who are you to tell me what yeah. to do? Yeah, and the, and the people who get to get their way are the people with the bigger influence, the bigger pocketbooks, and bigger power. So what we're essentially creating, we're, we're back to creating a, a, a caste system because everyone has a voice. The person with the biggest microphone and the biggest stick gets their voice heard. Well, and that's what's happening on culture, though. Look at social media. People get censored left and right. And that's why there's this sense of, well, who in the world are you to tell me what to do? And, right. we're, and we're more splintered now because... The political realm has become politicized. When it comes to, to morals and common shared values, when the church is doing its job in preaching and discipling the nation, mm -hmm. then we have government leaders who are under God's authority and under God's values. And we say, well, pastor, what authority are you talking about? I'm talking about uh, authority for, for instance, sexual morality. We never used to argue about sexual morality because our, our sexual morality came from the Bible. Yeah. Uh, and we realize, why do we promote marriage? Because it's biblical. Why do we punish adultery? Because it's biblical. Why are we against pornography or against uh, premarital sex or against any other, you know, um, I think of incest or some of these things that are still on our books? Where did all these ideas come from? They, well, they came from our shared culture mm -hmm. that was informed by Judeo-Christian values. Yeah. But here's the point, you know, when, when, when it's all about politics and when it's, and when it's might makes right, and there's no sense of shared values. Then we get all this disgusting stuff where, where we realize that most of the, the laws that are being passed are just somebody's or some party's political agenda. Yeah. And you sit back and go, I don't want to be a part of your political agenda. Like yeah. you said, just because you got the most votes, does that mean your agenda is the right way? And well, you just got the most publicity. <laughs> I don't even say most votes. Yeah, absolutely. But the but there's money. this there's yeah. this sense inside of the typical citizen of you know what? I'm just not going to be a pawn. Like, yeah. I'm not. I'm just not going to obey what you're saying because you said it. So we have all of the with the mask mandates and yeah. the and uh, the. And isn't it interesting now? We got the we got our our government uh, trying to 
to push people into receiving this vaccination. It's almost funny. I mean, we got we got uh, scholarship money. We're giving you know we're giving out ice cream. I mean, there's all, all kinds of gimmicks that are out there to get people to be vaccinated. You have to at the end of the day, you got to sit back and scratch your head and go, why are we having to coerce or manipulate right. people to do something that obviously they have no desire to do? Or at least many people have no desire to do that. So. When you don't appeal to transcendent truth, then you fall into coercion, manipulation, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff to get the citizens to obey. Yeah. And that is a recipe, again, for uh, widespread, you know, tyranny and uh, and uh, lawlessness. Yeah. And, and that's really what we're seeing in our culture today. Um, whenever you have political systems that are simply founded on human wisdom and not God's wisdom, uh, or on personal agendas and not a, an overarching transcendent agenda, uh, you're going to have all kinds of abuses of power. Uh, that's where we're at. I think that perfectly describes what we're witnessing in our American culture today. And so here's the deal. If there's, if there's no transcendent reference point, and that trans -re transcendent reference point has been God, when you lose that transcendent reference point, you have no middle, you have no shared values, you have nothing that pulls the, the social cohesion together. And so what happens is everything gets shot out of a cannon, you know, uh, and we're, that's why we're talking about the, the fraying of the fabric of America. Mm -hmm. why, is, why is everything coming apart? Well, because there's no middle. There's no uh, centrifugal force that's pulling us together, you know, um, and, and that's, that's why we're seeing our culture begin to be frayed because we've lost our sense of uh, shared values. And that's why, you know, even we look at our communities, what holds your community together? Yeah. Well, a community is a group of people who rally around common values. Yeah. And if there's no common values, there's no community. And uh, and so it kind of brings us to, to me, a perfect circle because, you know, our, our vice president, uh, Kamala Harris, made a very uh, controversial tr uh, tweet this last weekend. She said, enjoy your long weekend. Now, of course, we're talking about Memorial Weekend, um, and when you have no sense of transcendency, when you have no common values holding a nation together, all you have is a long weekend. And that's why many Americans were deeply offended, especially those who come from military families, because there was no mention about uh, the American ideal. There's no mention about... Um, uh, you know, uh, the sacrifice uh, that was made through people throughout the centuries for America to, to be free. In other words, there was no love of America, no sense of patriotism, uh, no sense of, you know, uh, we're willing to die for the American dream. Because frankly, people that hate America, you know, we got all this critical race theory that's being put forward, people that think America is poisonous, that we're the oppressor. Yeah. When you have that kind of poison that's being put forth and you've lost all, all sense of transcendency, all sense of one nation under God, uh, then all you are left with is wishes for a long weekend. And that's such a selfish, uh, you know, uh, godless kind of view of what this— Yeah, the sure value is basically— uh, Vacation and take a day off. That's the sheer yeah. value. We have a day off from the grind, right? You know, that's the um, sheer value. But it, but it guts. It just guts the depth of of, yeah. of the passion and the patriotism and the love for God and the love for country um, that that gives us America. And, but uh, that was such a picture. That that is a picture of a politician who um, has lost the sense of transcendency. 
that there are things literally worth dying for and things that pull us together that we all share in common. You know, today, America, pol American politics is really about division. It's about separation. It's about um, uh, creating walls. It's about building little coalitions. And, and at the end of the day, it's all about raw power. And we've yeah. talked about this. Yeah. And when government becomes about raw power, when the state becomes God, when, when the state's agenda becomes something that the only thing you're willing to die for uh, or cheat for, alive for, you know, we're dealing with so much now on trying to recover election integrity and some of these issues. And we talked about this before. When you look at the Democratic Party's uh, major policy initiatives right now, every single one of them is geared towards maintaining power. Yeah whether it's packing the Supreme Court, whether it's gutting out our election laws, um, whether DC it's- statehood. Yeah, yeah, DC statehood. We're, statehood. we're talking yeah. about not having borders so that we get all kinds of people uh, who are then granted voting power. Well, where do they get the voting power from? Well, the, the party in power now, so they're gonna be loyal to that party. I mean, the whole thing stinks to high heaven. And it stinks, and here's why it stinks. It stinks because we've lost our sense of transcendent truth in the public arena, and when God is removed from politics and from public, it becomes simply a, a matter of, of might makes right. Like you said, the person with the biggest stick or the party with the biggest stick wins, and I think what happens in your culture is, is lawlessness abounds because people are sick and tired of a government that exists for itself and politicians who exist to serve their own Absolutely. selfish agendas. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the typical American says enough is enough. So, but but here's the the, the thing I want to end with today. Uh, you'll have no uh, you'll ha you'll have no sense of an America worth dying for if the church does not regain her prophetic voice and if we do not begin speaking into culture. You know, I brought this out at the at the Hoosier Leadership Series. You know, when you look at John the Baptist, that passage when he spoke to Herod, was Herod a Christian? No. Was the government a, no. a, a government under the, the lordship of Jesus? No. No. And Herod goes to this, this wicked, or, or John the Baptist goes to this wicked leader who's committing you know, sexual sin, and John the Baptist says, what you're doing is wrong. Now, it wasn't wrong because the government shared his value system. <laughs> right. It was wrong because God is real and God has spoken, and because the Judeo-Christian worldview is true, whether you believe it or not, yeah. our job isn't to say, "Well, I, I respectfully, you know, you know, you know, uh, respect your differences of opinion." You know, there's only one opinion that matters, and that's God's opinion. And when God has spoken about things uh, as it relates to the sexual behavior of people or of leaders. Uh, the job of the church is to hold people's feet to the fire. Yeah. Here's the message of the church. Thus saith the Lord. Now, that message isn't always popular. In fact, many times it's it's hated. Jesus said they hated me. Uh, they're going to hate you. But our job, if we're going to be faithful as God's people, is first of all to live the truth ourselves. We can't be hypocrites and say one thing and do another. We need to be consecrated to the Lord, but then we need to speak with the authority of the Lord, and the role of the church is to speak to power and to, to speak from a greater power to power and to uh, lay, you know establish the plumb line of righteousness and truth that comes from transcendent truth, which is only found in the word of the Lord. So let's be faithful to God's word. Let's declare God's word. Let's not be ashamed of, of uh, speaking out God's truth in the public arena. Uh, and because when we lose transcendent truth, 
we lose community. When we lose community, we lose our nation. Uh, and, uh, man, it's so much at stake. So any final hurrah on that? No, that's great. I mean, again, in our community, in our neighborhood, where there's no cohesion, we're a nation divided, and we're weakened, and then we're, 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 we're broken. Yeah. Um, so to love our neighbors is... Building confusion, love our nation, absolutely. Well, what I love is the church is to be a microcosm, is to be a picture of heaven. And and I just want to say this, you know, while we certainly don't have the corner on the market on perfection, I love the culture here at Living Stones. I love the unity. I love the the way we we care for one another because Jesus is Lord of our of our culture, yeah. and uh, and so we're trying to love one another the way Jesus loves us. And then the beauty of that is the church becomes a picture in the in the community of what true community looks like. And then we begin to disciple our nation, and we begin to serve our community, and we begin to bring healing to our local community. And that spreads out as I shared, you know, two Sundays ago when I was preaching. Wow, wouldn't it be cool if we could set up a delivery system like Amazon, mm. where we could deliver heaven's goods to our community and to the world? And but we need distribution centers, right? Like Amazon has, they got distribution centers all, all over. Right. What would be that distribution center for God? Well, it's the church. It's the Church of Jesus Christ. There's distribution centers in every community all over this nation and the nations of the world. That's really the picture of God releasing His goodness, His power, His goods through the church to be distributed into our communities and into our nation. So this is an ingenious plan, you know, that God has established. Um, The real question, the real variable that you hit on just this last Sunday is, will we allow those paradigm shifts to take place where we can actually partner with God? And, uh, and let's do it. So even today, hey, here's what we say. Lord, use us today. Lord, here we are. We exist for you today. Uh, we are loved by God, so we can go love people. We're going to step out and believe for the supernatural because God can only begin moving at the very edge of our natural abilities. That's when God moves. And guess what? We're going to embrace risk as a, as a value. And we're going to say, Lord, we're going to partner with you. Uh, and live on the edge and live the life to the fullness because uh, of the excitement that comes when we really begin to trust you and to step out of our comfort zone. So so have a super day today and let God use you in amazing ways. Thanks for watching this podcast. Uh, Share it with some friends. We hope it's a source of blessing and encouragement to you. Hey, we love you and let's go make history today in Jesus' name.